Hello, church. It's good to see you today. I guess I can't see you, but you can see me. Uh, my helper today is my wife. After listening to my song last time, she thought I needed help. So she's going to lead us in a couple of hymns. The first one is The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, number 334. The blood that Jesus shed for me Way back That gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows through the lowest valley. The blood gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears. And it dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus, Jesus, it 
Thank you, Elizabeth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, church. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for an opportunity to worship wherever we're at. And Father, we just ask for continued protection and encouragement during these difficult times. And Father, we just ask that you'll be with us during this message and you'll guide us into your truth. In Christ's name I pray, amen. This morning I've chosen Luke chapter 23, begin with verse 32. Uh, <clears throat> and I've entitled it a forgiving word. It says this, there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. <clears throat> and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. This is a section of scripture that contains one of the last words of Jesus. It is uh, called in church history, he spoke seven times from the cross, and they are the seven words of the cross. This particular word is a forgiving word, and that's why I've entitled this message. It, it sort of goes uh, that like this. You realize that people die like they have lived. Very seldom do you have deathbed confessions where people totally change the way they have lived. Sometimes you do, but it is rare. For instance, in 1929, on February 14th, the famous St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Frank Gutenberg and four other men uh, who worked for Bugs Moran gathered in a garage outside of Chicago. Uh, two men walked up dressed in police clothes and, and proceeded to line them up like they were going to frisk him, pulled out machine guns and shot them. All died but Bugs and Moran, and, and he died a few days later, uh, or a few hours later, and as he was dying, uh, he said these words to the police who kept asking, who did this, who did this? He said, nobody. It's getting dark. I'm going on now. You see, people die the way they live. Uh, for instance, P.T. Barnum, the famous uh, world's greatest show uh, guy, on his deathbed asked, what were the day's receipts? R.G. Lee, the famous Southern Baptist preacher, who pastored Bellevue in Memphis before Adrian Rogers said on his deathbed, I see the lights of glory. It is even more beautiful than I imagined. And then we come to Jesus. As he's dying, his first words from the cross were, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And so we see here that Jesus' words offer, offer the hope of forgiveness to all who believe in him and repent of their sins. Jesus' words offer the hope of forgiveness to all who believe in him and repent of their sins. So two or three things about this. First notice, it's a praying word. It says, and he prayed, okay? Father, forgive them. You need to understand the Greek. This is a repetition. 
It means as he bowed his head, as he's there, he just keeps pleading with the Father again and again. Think of it as the pain is coursing through his veins, as he's hanging there, embarrassed on the cross, with all the awfulness, the insults they've hurled at him, with all the spitting in his face and plucking out his beard, being beaten with a cat of nine tails, uh, having a crown of thorns on his head and slammed down, being crucified with the nails in his hands and his feet. And what does he do? He keeps pleading with the Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. Jesus was in the business of forgiveness. And he ended his life the same way he had lived it, repeating that. See, it's really the reaction that you look for when somebody dies. You see, as they were on the cross, a lot of times they would curse. A lot of times they would beg for mercy. Sometimes they might pray for a quick death, but they didn't pray, forgive those who were taking their life. But Jesus did. Jesus died as he lived. And so I see the repetition. I see the reaction of Jesus. And I see the regularity of Jesus. He's dying as he lived repeatedly through the New Testament. We see Jesus going off to pray early in the morning all alone. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying till he sweat great drops of blood. We see Jesus setting the example of praying for us even as he's dying as a substitute for my sin and for your sin. You see, Luke 15 in the parable of the prodigal son that so many people know so well, it says while the son was a great way off, the father ran to meet him and fell on him, kissing him. And kissing there means that he just continued doing it. And so he just kissed him over the lost child that was now found. And Jesus is praying over the lost that he needs to find, that need to find him. He looked down through the ages and did that. So it is a forgiving word, then it is a loving word. A loving word, it's his actions. Again, I could not have done that. I doubt that many of you could have done that. The very people who are taking your life, the very people who are declared your enemies, the very people who have abused you and used you, he is praying for. Why? Because he said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, his answer after being beaten and mocked is to pray a loving prayer, forgive them, forgive them. See, when they were hurling insults, if you just come off the cross, we're believing you. That's not the truth. They wouldn't have believed even if he came off the cross. They didn't believe when he rose from the dead. You need to understand that Jesus had a loving word for me and for you down through history. All who, who needed him, he had that attitude. He stayed on the cross to pay for my sins and for your sins. We need to understand that his attitude was of love. You understand? See, Romans 5, 8 says, In this was God's love shown towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tells us about that. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive 
in the spirit. It is a loving word. Have you responded to God's loving word? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you treating others with love? Because he told us that we were to love one another as he loved us, that we were to forgive one another as he had forgiven us. There's no place in a Christian's heart for unforgiveness because we've been forgiven for so much, we must forgive others. Jesus warned us of that in the Sermon on the Mount because he said it would hinder our prayers. God would not forgive us if we didn't forgive others. And that doesn't mean we lose our salvation. It means if we have an unforgiving heart and that's the stable of our life, that's our lifestyle, we've never experienced Jesus' forgiveness. It's a loving word. It's a forgiving word is the third point. You see, facing death, how will you pray? Facing death, how will you pray for those who are left behind? You may pray your blessings as you're dying over your family and over your loved ones, but what about the ones who've done you wrong? In our own day, it seems like everybody who thinks they've been done wrong gets a gun or something and goes after other people. It's just... Uh, uh, pandemic in our society, not just this COVID-19, but of the violence of people taking other folks' lives because they've been wronged. And there's no forgiveness, it seems, in our nation anymore. But when you take God out of a nation, when you take Christ's name out of a nation, when you don't want his name to be mentioned in any public forum, anything about Jesus, then hate enters where love used to be where violence enters, where forgiveness used to be. See, church members, we are to face the future. We need to understand that's the world we live in. And the only way it's going to change isn't by responding in hate, isn't by responding with unkindness. It's only going to change as we share the love of Jesus, the forgiving words, as we practice forgiveness, example forgiveness, live forgiveness in our communities, in the places where we work where we influence others. You see, I think Jesus faced the future here. I don't think he just paid for the Roman soldiers who had no idea. I believe he prayed for those chief priests who knew exactly what they were doing. I believe he looked down through the halls of history and he saw you and he saw me and he knew we would need a savior. He's saying, remember this sacrifice, Father. Forgive them. They're one of mine. If we come to him in repentance and in faith, you see, we need to practice that. Andrew Jackson, the general of the Civil War, was the seventh president of the United States. He was a colorful character, and he was known for his anger and getting even with folks. <clears throat> it happened while he was there in, in, uh, in getting ready to be sworn in as the president that the press got a hold of some law documents that stated that his wife had been married before had never been granted the divorce and they were married and now living in sin. And they literally got after her and him so much that she was so worried she died before he could be inaugurated as president. After he retired, he wanted to join a church and he talked to his pastor. And the pastor, knowing his character and what he was like, said, President Jackson, can you forgive all your enemies? He said, all the enemies that I fought against for my country, I forgive. Those political enemies that attacked me unjustly, that attacked me without cause, that caused the death of my wife, I cannot forgive them. 
The minister said, then you cannot be baptized. If you're going to accept Christ, you have to be willing to forgive all of your enemies. The pastor related, there was a long pause of silence as Andrew Jackson bowed his head and said, I will try my best to forgive all my enemies because I want to accept Christ as my Savior. And then he was baptized into that church. You see, that's what Jesus did. He forgave his enemies. You and I were enemies of God. You see, we need to be tender-hearted. That's what Luke 6.37 tells us, or 6.36, that we're to have hearts of mercy. Do we understand that? Hearts of mercy towards one another. Hearts of mercy towards those who are lost outside the church. As I tell you repeatedly, don't be surprised by what lost folks who don't know Jesus, what they do. Be surprised by those who claim to know Jesus, what they do. We are the followers of Christ. We know God's forgiveness. We need to possess hearts of mercy towards those outside our beliefs. The final thing it was, it was a hope-filled word. You see, it's hope-filled for the individual. I think when you look at the cross, at the thief on his right hand, as he said, uh, Remember me, Jesus, when you come to your kingdom. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was hope. I think he looked down at the individuals there gathered around the cross, the soldiers, some of the priests, uh, some of the crowd. He was looking at them when he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's a hope-filled word for the individual. And I think that it is inclusive. If we repent of our sins, and place our faith in him as the Holy Spirit calls us. See, we need to understand when it says whosoever will, that means whosoever will. Does God knows who will? Yes, he knows who will. And only those who he knows are going to be saved. But you understand that we have a choice to make. And that is, will we? Have you done that? You see, we need to understand that you have to be intentional. You're not just born a Christian. You're not a Christian because you was raised in a Christian home. You and I are not Christians because uh, we join the church or because we do good deeds or because we might give lots of money or time to the church. Those are all things that are works that are supposed to be an evidence that we've been saved. But we are only saved by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, confessing our sins in repentance, and believing in him. Some need to do that today, even where you are. You need to pray that Jesus would save you, that you believe in him and you repent of your sins. And to repent doesn't mean you're sorry. It has an element of that. It's more than that. It means that you turn around and you walk in the opposite direction you were going. It means a trust in him so much that he has everything. You stake everything on the claims of Jesus, that he was who he said he was, that he did what he said he did, that he died on the cross, that he raised the third day, that he ascended to the Father, and one day he's coming back for all of us. And until that time, we wait. You see, some need to come in rededication. You know Christ is your Lord and Savior, but you haven't been living for him, and you need to do that. Some need to come in surrender of your lives to him. That This church is where you need to be a member and you need to join it by baptism from denominations other than Southern Baptists, by a letter from churches of like faith and practice, by a statement if you can't remember where uh, your church is, but you know it was like faith and practice. You see, you need to come 
to live for him at home, at work, at school, at church, outside these walls. And you need to come because of such a forgiving word, because of such a hope-filled word, because of such a word that he said, forgive them. You need to come and commit to being a witness for Jesus. During this time, this COVID-19, when fear is rampant, when hope again is at an all-time low, when people are literally dying by the hundreds, our nation, our world needs hope. Will you do that? You can call me, 870-404-4207, and I'll talk to you on the phone on how to do that or what you need. You can call the church office, 870-435-6007, and someone will be here to talk to you about that. Maybe you need uh, just somebody to pray with you. We have a prayer list set up on the Facebook page, and you can add requests there if you don't want to call the church office. You can text one of us. You need to understand that we're here for you. You need to understand that we're supposed to be here for one another. Again, I'm going to close this in prayer, but... I want you to remember, church, be safe. Do what the government's asking us to do. Don't be disobedient. We're to submit to them as long as they're not asking us to do something ungodly, and they're not. The only way this virus is halted and we get back to any type of normalcy, whatever that's going to look like after this, is if we stay put and don't spread it around. So be careful. Stay put. Be safe. We'll see you soon. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, thank you for such a word from Jesus for all of us. Thank you for the love that you sent him. Lord, thank you that he loved us enough to die in our place, my place, and everyone else's place. Thank you for calling us by the power of your Holy Spirit to believe in him. Thank you, Lord, for just giving us this opportunity to meet for a brief time. Thank you for Brother Galen again because it is time and works so hard and sets all this up. Thank you for his knowledge and for gifting him like this. Thank you, Lord, for the deacons and how they're working behind the scenes to help the church survive. And Father, thank you for those who remember to give and to pray and to call others about you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye, church. We'll see you soon.